And so the Lord starts working to get that done. Now, here is the big one. What, what Pastor Blandon said the other day, the devil is a servant of God. And we don't realize that, that the devil still is a servant of God. He can only do what God tells him and what God allows him to do. And so when we say, Lord, all those things, we don't know if the Lord will allow him to have a little bit of uh, playtime in all of that. And so the Lord can allow the devil to, to, to just get involved in, in, in getting you where God got to get you to. The devil gets used by God all the time. And he doesn't even realize the Lord allow him to do what he does, but it's only to benefit and to profit you and me and all the people of God. Amen. Listen, when the devil messed with Job, Job kind of, we didn't realize it, but Job had a little bit of pride in him. And so when we read the story of Job, when it says that, you know, the, the devil went and appeared before the Lord and he says, Job only serve you because you bless Job. And the Lord said, oh, really? Well, i tell you what, let's see if that's really true. And the Lord said, I am going to make sure you can't kill him, but you can do anything else you want to him. And when the Lord said that to the, the enemy, he did what he wanted to to Job. The end result is. He did everything that he could to try to get Job to stop serving the Lord. And obviously, Job didn't stop serving the Lord. But what Job got out of the process was every ounce of pride was removed out of Job's life. So really and truly, we look at that situation as poor Job. We look at that situation like, man, God, why would you allow him to go through that? And the Lord says, because I am trying to mold him and make him into the best Job, he will ever be. And Job had a little bit of pride that I need to get out of him. And so I allowed the devil to mess around. And guess what? Job became a better man because the devil messed around and he was able to grow from it. And so don't stop praying, God, do what you got to do. Don't stop asking God to work in your life. But just understand that you're praying that prayer. So when stuff start happening, don't start panicking and losing your mind. Don't start saying, God, why me? Just know that you've been praying the prayer that, Lord, I want to go to another level. Mm-hmm. 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 Amen. All right. So let's get into our study tonight. We're going to talk about living a blessed life or living a blessed life. Whichever way you want to do it, you, you, you can look at the scriptures and, and, and you can go in the Webster's Dictionary and see how it's pronounced B-L-E-S-S-E-D and see if it says blessed or it said blessed. I think the last time I checked, blessed was the correct pronunciation, but some of us were used to our English language to say blessed. So whichever way you say it is fine. It's all good. Living a blessed life. I'm going to work with you, and I'm just going to talk to you a little bit tonight because this week, I can't tell you. I feel like the Lord has just revealed some things to me. I'm just like, I just would never guess at, at this particular time I would experience some revelation. And I'm, I'm trying to study my life and the pattern um, of my life, how God worked in my life. And what I'm understanding is because I I'm a I'm a I can get routineish. 
and systematic. Once I learn a system and routine, I'm good at keeping that going. And in order for me to ever get out of that cycle, get out of that system, get out of that routine, God is going to have to shake up some things. And it usually, it seems like um, the way God will begin to deal with me is when he shakes some things up or allows some things to be shaken in my life. That's when I become more attentive to what he's doing. I don't, that's me. Everybody he deals with differently, but it seems like when he shakes things up a little in my life, I become more attentive and more aware and more focused on him. And so I don't like it. And sometimes I try to bargain and negotiate with God, and he probably ignore me. I try to tell him, Lord, just, just work with me without anything having to get shaken up and messed with. Just, 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 just give it to me without doing all of that. But he knows that doesn't work with me. So he knows he gets my full attention and, and gets stuff moving in my life when he allows some things to be stirred up a little bit. So that's me. Look at how God deal with you in your life, and you'll probably know what he does. And you will know when it's him because you have paid attention to what happens and then what happens after that. Amen? Let's start in Exodus tonight. Again, we're going to talk about living a blessed life. And um, the, the, the actual topic of our lesson tonight is putting God first. Now, you know I got a little bit of problem with that, but I'll still work with that. Um, um, putting God first. I'm all about um, um, Christ being the center and not putting him first. Right? What do I tell you? If he's first, then that means there's something that's second and something that's third and something that's fourth. And don't get me wrong, putting him first still does mean a whole lot. It's a great, it, it means a lot, and, and it should be that way. But at the same time, um, just to mess with your own psyche, you just got to put in your mind that because God is first in my life, it doesn't mean that there's something that's running second to him. And so that's kind of how I want you to think about it when you think about putting God first. There's, there's no second to God. There's no third to God. There's no fourth to God. There is nothing competing or comparing to God in your life. So tonight when we say putting God first, we're not saying he's first and then after that. And no after. He is just first. He is on top. He's in the middle. He's everything. He's not battling with anybody or he should not be battling with anyone or anything in your life. Exodus chapter 12. God gave me a revelation the other night teaching my Bible study and I can't wait to share it with you because every time I learn more about God, it just 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 overwhelms me the more I learn about God. We have no clue the stuff that God wants to reveal to us so we can learn about him. He is he is just fascinating. He is just so deep, but he is just so all about us, man. Oh my goodness. Um, Exodus chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse, start in verse three and read through three through seven. Then I'll pick up in 12 and read 12 through 14. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel saying in the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man, a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. 
and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take up the blood and strike it on the two side posts on, and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall know it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. The first thing I want to point out to you with all of those reading is never settle for gray area when you're talking about the Lord's word and the Lord's instruction. You don't want to read God's word and just treat it as it's no big deal if I do this or if I do that. God, when you read his word, he is so precise. He is so specific that for you and I to think or to paint anything with a broad brush, according to his word, we're missing it because God is specific. And the stuff that we just read, just he is just specific, specific, specific. And so when we try to come up with some general statement about God, we will miss the mark because God is not general. God is specific. God is not gray area. He's black or white. And so we can't deal with God in a general way. We have to deal with God in a specific way. And the quicker we understand that, the better off we will be because oftentimes we just want to deal with God in general so we can feel okay with the things we're doing or not doing because we're saying, well, I kind of, kind of did this or no, no, no. God is specific. So we can't say we kind of, you'll see throughout the lesson what it's saying. Here's a good scripture tonight that will help us. This, this will help us for, um, for offering. Where Brother Henry? No, Brother Henry? Tell Brother Henry we had a scripture for him tonight. Oh, he, he's back there. All right, Brother Henry. <laughs> Brother Henry, here's a scripture for you. You don't have to use it. Son. Just, I thought about you when I got this scripture. I said, Brother Henry. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Verse 10 says, So shall thy barns be filled. Barns with an S. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. 
my God, that just put a big smile on your face. Honor the Lord with all thy substance. Everything you have, honor God with it. I remember Brother Scarlett was the first one that started this, and but it stuck with me because I never thought about it, but Brother Scarlett started it. Brother Scarlett would buy a new vehicle and say, come on, we need to pray over it. I never thought about that. We're talking about years, years back now. I mean, when he first started E&J, I mean, we're going back that far. That's when he introduced that to me. <laughs> we need to pray over this car. And we've been doing that, praying over new vehicles ever since then. It's been a long time. But the point is, he was honoring God. Because God had given him something, and he's saying, I'm going to pray over this because I know how it came, and so I'm going to honor God. Oh, man. Woo! And, and, and today, his business, he turns, he, 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 he rejects business sometimes because they just don't have the manpower to continue to take on new business because he honors the Lord with his substance, and so the Lord outdo him. And so sometimes you got to say, I wish I could, but I just can't. And that's a great thing when you have a business, when you have a company, and the business is just so good that you say, and I just can't take on anymore right now. I can't take you on right now. Whatever, whatever the case may be. But people are in business to make money. And so when people come to you and say, hey, can you do this business? In your mind, you're like, yeah. Because it means money. And when God has put you in a position for you to say, really wish I could help you, but I can't. You know God is in the business. With the power of the Lord's mighty hand, he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, the place of slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let them go, so the Lord killed all the firstborn males Throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. This serves as a vivid reminder that people who put God first in their lives will enjoy God's protection and blessing. The Bible says, if you go back and read when God first called Moses, I think it's probably like Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Bible says when God first called Moses, God said this. Here's another word God gave me. I don't know, Just he just flooded my mind this week with just stuff. The Bible says the Lord saw the affliction of his people, but it didn't stop there. It says God saw the affliction of his people and he heard. I said, man, God. So us being messed up and going through situations don't get God to act. Us going through situation and having a hard time and then saying, God, I'm in trouble and I need your help. Will you help me? That's what get him moving. So God sees it, but he's waiting for you to go like this, help me. When Peter was walking on the word or the water, what did he say? Lord, help! Did he sink? 
That's a principle of God we can't get around. Do not forget that principle of God that we must respond to him to say what we need. We can't just say, God, you see what I'm going through. You know what I'm going through when you ain't doing nothing. Well, where's your faith? Because that's really what your faith says. Your faith says, God, I'm going through it, but I know you are the healer. I know you are the savior. I know you can protect me. I know you can provide for me. And so, God, I'm calling on your name for help. We can't just assume that he sees it so he knows what to do. God responds to faith. So when he sees it, now your faith will cause you to reach out to God. And God says, that's all I was waiting for. I saw it and I got to hear it. Contrary to widely accepted philosophy, putting God first or being Christ-centered is always the right thing to do. Our cultures have often focused on the power of people and the right of every person to pursue happiness. Here's another thing that God just helped me with this week. I did this, I'm sure there have been times in my life I've done it and times in your life that you have done this. But here's what we need to try to practice as Christians. You don't need to prove to nobody if you're right or wrong. We, we, we put so much effort into trying to let people know who's right. We missed the mark. In trying to make sure you understand, I'm the one that's right here. You're not right. I'm right. And we do this with each other. We do this with people. We're going to build a case or make the point that I'm right. And God works with me on that this week and say, it's not even about you. So why are you trying to make yourself right or wrong? Man, I got so much stuff tonight. Um, no, it's just too much stuff. God gave me about five sermons today. And I got to keep it all straight. Thank God for the, my brother that came and preached for us. Say, just put it in thoughts. Put it in thoughts. So when God gives me something now, instead of me trying to find, I used to have pieces of paper all over the house. My wife used to always give me a hard time about it. She will find papers all over the place because God will give me a thought and I'll just start writing. Now we got smartphones. I start texting. I start putting it in thoughts. So there's a part of my phone that has thoughts and their sermon titles, their thoughts that God has given me. And scriptures to back it up. Because I don't start writing until I get a scripture. I'm just scripture dude. So when, when the Lord gave me a thought, I said, well, where's the scripture, Lord? And sure enough, here comes the scripture, Wayne. And so I'll take it and run with it. But we're, 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 we're a people that like to, um, we're always pushing for our, we want to be right. And we, 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 we want happiness. Can I tell you? That being right don't make you happy. Being right don't make you happy. And sometimes we can be right and prove our point. Still don't mean we're happy. So that's why if we can just settle on everything that happens in this world, it's about God. 
Now, God, how do you want this to fit in? How are you trying to fit this situation in my life into all of it? Can you show me? But I know this is about you. And if we can come to that place where we say this is about God, then a lot of things will not really matter. Some cultures actually put a high value on self-centeredness and pride. But scripture teaches something very different. The Bible implores us to put God first. It, it also makes it clear that honoring and obeying God, listen to this, honoring and obeying God frees him to bless our lives in ways he would not otherwise be able to bless us. So what God wants us to do, a lot of times, God, you probably heard me say this, where well, we've tied the hand of God. Because God wants to do something in our life, but he needs us to activate it. It, 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 it. He needs us to do something about it. Back to what I just said. If 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 we're going through a, a, a situation and we don't call on him and we don't cry out to him, then his hands are tied. But if we will open our mouth and say something and, and direct it towards him, then something will happen. So a lot of times God wants to work in our life, but we're not honoring him. We're not doing what requires him to act on our behalf. Here's an example. For, for example, God can only forgive us if we confess our sins. <laughs> so he says, he, he says in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just imagine if we've sinned, but we won't confess it to him. Just imagine if we sin and we won't acknowledge it to him. Then what? So we have to do what it takes to activate what God will do in our life. So God is waiting to do great things in our lives, but if we don't do what we supposed what we're supposed to, then God can't do what God wants to do in our life. As much as he would like to wash our sins away, that can only be accomplished if we obey his command to be baptized in Jesus' name. So the Bible teaches us, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, it says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So he's saying for the removal of sins and ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. So what does that mean? If I don't repent and be baptized... My sins are in my life. They're not removed. Now, does he want my sins removed? Certainly he wants to remove. Certainly he wants to get rid of my sins. But he can't do it until I obey his teaching of repenting and be baptized. So, again, we must do our part for God to do his part. God has great plans for us, but he is bound to operate within the boundaries he has established. He eagerly awaits the opportunity to bless us. Truth be told, putting God first is imperative to believers because there are no neutral zones. Let that sink in. 
With God, there are no neutral zones, and a lot of people are trying to operate in neutral zone because in our mind, neutral usually means safe. But can I tell you, neutral means doubt and lack of faith. There's no way I'm going to know who God is and understand what he can do and try to stay neutral. Are you kidding me? When I know who he is, and understand what he can do. I'm not staying neutral. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm not on anybody else's side. I'm on the Lord's side. Because I know he's all powerful. He's omniscient. He's all present. There is no power but his power. Nothing can stop him. And so I'm on his side. I don't know about you. But I'm on the Lord's side. And so we have to realize we can't be neutral. We have to be on the Lord's side. We can't just... Obey some and not obey everything because then we're being neutral. Humanity will either honor God and his kingdom by obeying his principles or they will be default. They will, they, they will by default oppose God. So when we don't honor God, when we don't go on the Lord's side, by default we oppose God. The book of Isaiah says this. Listen to this. Gather together and come, you fugitives from surrounding nations. What fools they are who carry around their wooden idols and pray to gods that cannot save them. Consult together. Argue your case. Get together and decide what to say. Who made these things known so long ago? What idol ever told you they would happen? Was it not I, the Lord? For there is no other God but me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. Let all the world look to me for salvation. For I am God, there is no other. I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth, and I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to me. Isaiah 45, 20 through 23 is the New Living Translation version. Let me tell you something. As I read that, this is another powerful thing that happened this week. We had a young lady that just um, resigned from our job because she was working two jobs, and the one job was paying her a little more, and they wanted to give her a promotion. So she said um, she really wanted to work um, both jobs, one part-time, but it just wouldn't work. So I didn't get a chance to see her off um, her last day, and so um, I told one of the girls at work, I said, listen, text her and tell her if she ever can come in and just let me just say goodbye and shake her hand and do an exit interview. Let me see if you can get her in. So she texted her, so said, so done. So yesterday she said, you know, this was like Monday, so she said she could make it in Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock. Well, Wednesday at about 5.15 I drove home. I'm home, sitting, hanging with my big son and his friend, and we talking. All of a sudden, I get a text. Hey, boss, didn't you tell so-and-so to come in at 6 o'clock? It was 5.45. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, yes, I did. I said, all right, I'll be there by 6. Got to go. Got in my car, drive to work, got there by 6. And so she came into my office, so we talk. 
you know, business talk. So how was your stay here? What you thought of the job? Any particular thing that you really like um, that stood out to you? Any particular thing that you felt like we need to improve upon and blah, blah, blah. We're going through all this stuff and she gave me all the rundown. But all along, I had a plan. This girl is Muslim. And she wear the cover. And her and I had a good conversation one day. And the, and the last conversation I had with her, I said to her, I said, I want to know. In your religion. When it's all said and done, the, the finale of everything and you die, what is the reward for living this way? She said, I'll get back to you on that one. I said, take your time. And I never got that question answered. So that's what I really wanted. So exit interview and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's formality. So we got to that part. I said, hey, Z, you never um, did answer me. She said, yeah, I know. So I said, tell me. She said, well, we go to heaven. The ones that, you know, did right and the ones that didn't do right go to hell. I said, okay. Um, I said, which one did she give me first? Okay. She said, the only problem with that, listen to me, this is a Muslim, Middle Eastern. We're not talking about these folks that's in Trenton here talking about the Muslims. We're talking about Middle Eastern stuff now. So I said, well, what happens in heaven? Who do you see? What's going on? She said, you know, one of the things I didn't like about, um, the Quran teaching is the men get 12 virgins and the women don't get anything, but we just be in heaven though. I said, really? She said, yeah. So, you know, in, in, in Islam, you know, women don't really get the same as men. So the men get 12 virgins and the women don't really get anything. The women just get to be at their peak age, which is 35 years old and just live a good life. Then listen to me, because, you know, I talk like I don't know. You got to be careful when you're talking these conversations because you don't want to offend because you're trying to extract information. So when you're trying to extract information, you got to almost be like you don't really know nothing. So I said, so how do you all get to heaven? <laughs> she said, well, there's like a string from earth to heaven, almost like a hair, and you walk on it. And if. You are right with God. You will be able to walk on that string all the way to heaven. But if you're not right, you're going to fall off. So I said, you know, Z, one of the things that, I'm, that I've learned over the years in studying God's word is this. Whenever we start to explain things that kind of seems like it worked for us, it's usually not really according to God's will. Um, so always be careful of that. Again, you can't talk like you're trying to tell her. You got to talk like you're just suggesting. And oh, by the way. Then I said, my big one that I always ask. I said, Z. That's a good one. I said, Z. Why is it that most Muslim seems to give more reverence to Muhammad than they do Allah. I said, isn't Allah the supreme, all-powerful, all-knowing God? Isn't right? She said, yeah. Then she said, yeah, Allah is God, 
and Muhammad is his prophet, peace be unto him. Y'all missed that part. I'm getting ready to tell you. I said, V, listen to what you just said. You just said Allah is the all-powerful, mighty God and being and have all power, but you never said peace be unto him. But when you said it, when you said in Muhammad, you said peace be unto him. Yeah, you're right. Well, I already know this because I'm telling you, God, God gave me this years ago. She said, yeah, you're right. I said, that doesn't make sense, Z, that the, the creator of everything, the all-powerful one, the divine one, why would he not get peace be unto him, but Muhammad get peace be unto him? I don't understand that. She said, you're right. There is something that you do have to say for Allah, but we don't really say it. I said, again, why do I feel like y'all disrespecting Allah? And he's the almighty. Yeah, you're right. I said, let me tell you something. Allah, my God, kind of like the same. Trying to make understanding how, now. I said, my God, probably just the same way you look at Allah. All powerful. You can't see him. He knows everything. He's present everywhere. That's my God. That, that's kind of what Allah is, right? Yeah. I said, well, Jesus, I think in your religion they say he's a good teacher. He's a prophet. Blah, 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 blah. I said, here is the big thing that you need to understand. I only believe in one God. I don't believe in Trinity like most Christian people that you meet. You say, oh, you believe in one? I said, just one. I said, Allah, your God, almighty God, my God. You can say they're kind of like the same. Now, that's still blasphemy, but I know what I was trying to do. And I said, the difference between my religion and yours is that God that we can't see, that knows everything, that's all powerful, he had appointed a specific time that he will become a human being just like us. So this Jesus that y'all think is just a prophet, this Jesus that y'all think is just a man, a teacher, I said, no, he's that almighty God who manifested himself so you can see him. I said, in your religion, it would be like Muhammad would be Allah. She started crying. Tears coming down her eyes because she never heard it like that. And now it makes sense to her because she's, she felt like she was following something that she was taught because from a birth, this is all I know, she felt like she was following something she was taught. And so she only went with what she knew. But some of it was questioned. But who is she going to question? And so when I gave it to her straight about Jesus Christ being almighty God manifesting flesh, tears came to her eye. She said, I never heard it like that. I pull out a church card. I said, if you ever think about wanting to learn more about Jesus, you go our card. What did I walk away saying? We have no clue how much truth we have and what we have. Oh, my God, I wish we knew. I walked away in tears myself because all I know is we have the truth. You know how many false religion is out? You know what kind of stuff is being taught out there that's just erroneous, that people can't even explain? And when you ask them intelligent questions, they don't know what to tell you. I said in my mind, just think about this. This is how erroneous something is. I said in my mind, if I'm going to be in my prime age of 35 and I get to heaven, Tell me why I want no virgin girl. 
There's just some things that's just dumb to me. Think about that, brothers. If we're 35 years old, and, and trust me, if you do research on Muhammad, dude had married a 15-year-old girl. Why? That's where it all started, that old virgin stuff. So in their mind, the virgins are probably 14, 15 years old. Not even 16, 14, 15. Why would I be a grown man wanting a virgin? Is that supposed to be a blessing? But they think that's a blessing. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like, we're not even, the, the, the devil has warped people's mind to believe some erroneous things, and we got the truth, and we acting like no big deal. We need to come in this house or wherever we go, strutting our stuff like Jesus really is our God. We need to live like this. What we have is the only thing, it's the best thing, and nothing compares to this. Nothing compares to this. We can't take this for granted. We can't treat this like people are out there following stuff that is just out of whack. Man, I can't get over it. I thought about that. I said, my God, help us. God just confirming, just showing us how what we have is, is just, it's just what we have. She had met some guy over the years that she couldn't um, talk to because he was Christian. And, of course, her family said, we Muslim, we can't do that. But the guy she met says he taught Sunday school and his mom is a deacon. He believed in the Trinity. So, you know what? All along she thought that Christianity stuff is whack. Because if you're Muslim, always taught if one God. When God dropped in my spirit about talking to people about telling them that he's one. Later on, he dropped in my spirit again and told me what I've been telling this church. It is the difference. If you don't get on board and understand why God being one is so important, you're missing this whole thing. Everything else can mimic this. What they can't mimic is their God being Jesus. Nobody can mimic that. No religion can mimic that. That their God became like them. Nobody can mimic that. And God knew what he was doing when he decided, I'm going to manifest myself one day and become a man and let y'all see me. Nobody can mimic that. You go search them all out. Jehovah Witness, the Mormons, uh, all of them, Confucius. Go search them all out and find out what they believe. They're going to have a certain kind of God, and they're going to have a prophet that go before him. But they will not have a God who became like them and was still the almighty, the God that ruled. None of them have that. We better hold on to that with dear life and never let nobody talk us out of it. And when we get that, it will make you comfortable in everything that you do. Everything that we, quote unquote, sacrificing for God. Oh my goodness, it ain't sacrifice now. When you realize that you're living a privilege, oh God, we're living a privileged life and we're looking at it like it's sacrifice. I got to look like this, I got to do this, I got to go to church this many, are you kidding me? It's a privileged life that we're living. This ain't no sacrifice, this ain't no hard thing to do. I am the son of the king of kings, the creator. I am the daughter of the almighty God. I've got a relationship with him. I talk to him, he talked to me. Ain't nothing more important than that. He said, the God that we serve says, 
Let there be light. Let there be grass. Let there be trees. Blew in our, and we became people. That's the God we're connected to and got a relationship with. Nothing compares. We're privileged people. I don't have nothing that I'm going to say when God says, Wayne, I need you to do this. Man, God, come on now, God. Come on, what? I'm blessed. I'm privileged. You're blessed. You're privileged. Just live this life with thanksgiving and appreciate God because God is good and he's good to us. In the story we reviewed at the beginning of this lesson, God demonstrated his sovereignty by taking the lives of the Egyptian firstborn male. He did this because Pharaoh refused to submit to his rule. In other words, Pharaoh refused to acknowledge God as sovereign. Let me tell you the next thing that God revealed to me this week. I can't keep up with all of it. A lot of it on my phone. You know why? Let me talk to Sister Riego. Sister Riego, you know why the children of Israel was in slavery for 400 years? Give me one thought. Didn't say it. I hear you. Okay. You know what God revealed to me this week? I want to scream, shout, cry. When God gives you a revelation, you don't even know what to do. Cry or shout or run. The children of Israel, this is what God put in my heart. And I guarantee I'm going to go to some conference and hear some big time preacher preach it this way. The Lord revealed in my spirit, he said, Wayne, you know why they went into slavery? Listen to this. Because those Egyptians worshipped idols. They had false gods. They didn't know me. He put his people in slavery. So these people that worship idols that didn't know him would have an opportunity to know him. I almost died. He said, if I didn't do that, they would have continued serving their idols. They would have continued doing, they wouldn't know the true and living God. And so I put my people in a bad spot knowing that I had them the whole time just so Pharaoh can get them ten plagues and the whole of Egypt will know that I, the Lord, I'm God. My God, what kind of God we serve. He just wanted Pharaoh and them to know who he was. So they would have a chance to repent. So they would have a chance to surrender. And if you read the scripture, you will know that the Bible talk about when they left Egypt, there was a mixed multitude that went with them. What did that mean? It meant that some of the Egyptians realized that those Jews served the true and living God. And they says, your God shall be my God. So people got saved because of that slavery the lengths that he goes to to let people know who he is so he can save them. This is why don't believe the hype when people start saying, well, what if somebody is born into a country where we just proved it in two situations. The girl Z that I just told you about that worked with us and what I'm just saying about God. God will find a way to reveal himself to every people. 
And this gospel must be preached in all the world. He's going to reveal himself to everybody. Everybody won't receive him, but he will reveal himself to everybody. Man, God, you're so good. God allowed his people to be enslaved. So all those Egyptians that was all into false gods and idol worship, God says, I'm going to let you see me. You're going to know me. I'm going to show you my power, and you will have an opportunity to either follow me or not. That whole Red Sea parting, it served two purposes. It was to save his people, but it still was the, I'm showing you who I am. The whole of Egypt didn't follow behind Pharaoh. A lot of his men, his horsemen, they went, but I'm sure the rest of them left behind might have said, Pharaoh? Because Pharaoh was a god to them. And they look and says, if Pharaoh was supposed to be that powerful and their God destroyed him, guess what, man? I better follow their God. Also, people will know who he is and that he loves them. Those who obediently observed the first Passover meal triggered one of the greatest emancipation in human history and foreshadowed the ultimate deliverance of humankind, the emancipation of all believers through the death of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. In giving God our best, we release him to bless every part of our life. When we give God our best, he started from way back then. He started really in the garden. Remember that? I I want your best. Abel gave the best. Cain came with garbage. Move on from there. He says, pick out the best lamb. And I want you to roast them up, eat them real good. If it's too much, share it with your neighbor, but pick out the best one. Then you put the blood over the post and the two, the two side posts and over the door. So that way, when I pass through, listen, our stuff is so powerful that I don't even know why we would even think about any other religion other than this stuff. God is so powerful and so consistent. He knew his blood was going to be the ultimate sacrifice, but he was showing us little stuff way back when. I'm like, man, dude. He said, blood saved you back in the Passover, and blood is still saving you today. That dude, man, I call him dude all the time because he's just cool. He he got everything under control. He knows everything. Yeah, it becomes uncomfortable for us sometimes, but he's got this thing, man. Just follow him, trust him, and live for him because he's got this under control. We will live a blessed life if we just follow him, submit to him, and honor him with our life and with our stuff. God did not ask the Israelite to give their best lamb in order to take advantage of them. He asked for their best because putting God first triggers blessings. We treat God like, you want that now? Ain't you asking for too much, God? You just want everything. You want us to go to church every time, Bible study, prayer, Man, that's a lot, God. I got stuff that I'm doing. Listen, I'm going to say it. I ain't got nothing I'm doing that I got to not do God's stuff. 
just, just, this is me. I'm not saying it to you. This is, I'm saying it for me. Ain't nothing that I'm doing that's going to me telling God, oh, I got too much stuff going, God. Are you kidding me? Why? I know who he is. And I know if he needs to get my attention, he's just going to cause some stuff to happen. And now here I am now just, just wasting my time. Because I don't put stuff and material things. Yeah, I'm just going to waste my time. So because I know him, I just said, Lord, what do you want? What will you have me to do? Let me just do it because I want my life to be blessed. We can't find neutral zones. God will bless us according if we will do what needs to be done. Remember Naaman? I've been telling this story for years. And I still tell it. Naaman, the, the, the army commander from Aram, Aram, approached the prophet Elijah because his wife, handmaid, who was captive from Israel, had told him about the healing power of God. Naaman was a leper and was desperate to be healed. Elijah promised Naaman he would be healed if he simply immersed himself in the Jordan River seven times. Naaman says, man, that water is dirtier than anything else. I'm not doing that. Well, guess what? Did Naaman get healed? Never got healed. And then he realized, if I really want to be healed, then I'll go do what the prophet said. He went and dipped in, 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 in the dirty Jordan River seven times, and guess what? His skin became like baby skin. Smooth as a baby butt. Uh-huh. Yes, that's what we used to say, smooth as a baby butt. Because baby butts are smooth. And so Naaman dipped seven times, and he was healed. The, the point is, whatever we need God to do, there's a trigger. And we have to realize what the trigger is and do what needs to be done because God will only do things the way he says he will do it, not the way we want him to do it. Uh, let me see. I'm going to finish up here. Um. There are ways to acknowledge God's lordship in our life. We need to make sure we honor God in everything that we do, and there's ways to do that. When we pray over our food, not only that we're praying over our food, the blessings of God, and for it to be strength for our body, and, and, and thanking God for provision, but the other thing that we're doing is we're acknowledging God as Lord of our lives. So your prayer for your food is just not just for the food, is is, is a, a way of acknowledging God as Lord over your life. When we come to church, we're saying we're acknowledging God as Lord over our life. When we worship God, we're saying we're acknowledging him as Lord over our life. These habits become triggers by which God can bless our lives. So we don't realize we're doing little things that we probably say, this is just routine. This is what I've always done. But these are things that show that God is Lord over your life. You're honoring him. And when you honor him, it triggers blessings that will flow your way. The bottom line is that putting God first put us in the flow of blessings. I'm going to stop there because I can go on and on and on and on. God is good. Although we should not give to get, honoring God does bring benefits.
it should be noted that our greatest blessings are not material blessings. When you know how you know you live the blessed life? That if you live to see your life where you get old and you're getting out of here and in your old life you can be a blessing to others, whether by praying for them or giving them godly, encouraging wisdom. When you can do that at the end of your life, you have lived a blessed life. You have lived a blessed life. When you, at the end of your life, you still can give people God, you know you have lived a blessed life. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Living a blessed life by putting God there you go. Lord, we thank you tonight. We love you, Jesus. There is none like you. Lord, I can't tell you how much I adore you and how much I worship you and appreciate you. You're so good to us. Nothing compares to you. No one compared to you. Your, your, your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. You're amazing, oh God. And Lord, I want to search out everything about you. I want to know you even more. The more I come to know you, Lord God, the more, oh God, my heart melts. And Lord God, I surrender because you're wonderful. You're kind. You're amazing. Lord, I pray tonight that every one of us under the sound of my voice will grab a hold of this teaching, your word tonight, Lord God. And Lord, we can live it out, Lord Jesus. There are people, Lord God, that don't have this life that we have, this blessed life. There are people, almighty God, that are not living this privileged life and this life that's just full of joy. I thank you tonight, Lord God, for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing, for, for blessing us, Lord God, and for helping us, Lord God. Father, I pray that you will move on us individually, collectively, that our life, Lord God, will continue to be blessed and flourished and that others may see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Lord, as we go from this place tonight, oh God, let the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord God, impact our life and overshadow our life, Lord God. Raise us up individually and collectively, Lord God, to shine our light, Lord God, to tell people about you, Lord God, to let them know you are one. And it is you, oh God, that made us and not we ourselves. And it's you that manifested yourself as the man Christ Jesus. And you're not separated. You're one. You're one. You're one from the beginning. You're one in the middle. And you're one for all eternity. Help us to hold on to that. And help us, Lord God, to sound the trumpet of who you are and what what you can do. Lord, we're grateful and thankful tonight, oh God. We bless your holy name. We will bless the Lord at all times, and your praise shall continually be in our mouth. Oh, no, 
Lord, touch thee, Lord God. You've spoken your word into her hearing. Uh, now, Lord God, I pray that she will have a heart of flesh uh, and not a heart of stone. Uh, and that she will receive your word uh, and become a doer of your word. Uh, I pray that you will push back the forces of evil and destroy every word.